Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Yo, what's going on, everybody? And thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Busted Open Podcast. Today, the Fat and the Furious returns. Myself and Tommy Dreamer breaking down Monday Night Raw. Topics include the Judgment Day, the finish to Cody and Finn, Trish and Becky. Is it working? Is it not working? Do you want to see the Steel Cage match? Me and Tommy are going to talk about this. Plus, Motormouth. Enzo Amore, he didn't come up for air once in 25 minutes. We got some excerpts from what he had to say. Tune in, turn it up. This is the Fat and the Furious on the Busted Open Podcast. Judgment Day, uh, the thread throughout the show once again, culminating in, you know, like I just said, Cody and Finn and the finish that was executed. Throw it to you first, Tommy. Broad stroke from the beginning of the show to the end of the show, handling of the Judgment Day and the stories and everything in between. What did you think? Uh, Judgment Day opens the show. I enjoyed their banter. I enjoyed Rhea being, hey, we don't air our dirty laundry in the public. But then Damian Priest has to say, like, well, where is he? All that stuff. I enjoyed all that. Then the interesting twist with the JD um, McDonough. I like the fact that the commentators told us uh, a part of his story. People don't know who he is yet. People need to understand who he is to get people to be emotionally invested. Hopefully this is the first step for it all. Has a match with Sami Zayn. Enjoyed the match with Sami Zayn. Uh, thought it was a very, very good match to show how talented this young man is, as well as introduce him in a much bigger angle to the WWE Universe. Proper finish. Everything worked out well. Backstage vignettes to continue the air. It was the thread throughout the show about the, the Judgment Day. Are we going to have a fractured Judgment Day? And at the end of the night, we see that the Judgment Day is as strong as strong can be. I did like the layering in of the other members of the Judgment Day during the match. They all just didn't come out together. Um, also, with Cody's promo, Cody actually acknowledging that Finn Balor was part of a group. Um, all these other things that you know normally WWE doesn't talk about. I enjoyed everything. Uh, in that sense with the judgment day, kind of like leaving raw off with heat, I thought was a great place to do it. They actually had some heat. Um, judgment day is a cool faction judgment day. And by cool, like their entrance, it's everyone serves a great purpose and role. Can they become one of the biggest heel factions within the WWE? I don't know that answer but they're they really took a step in the right direction you know for the longest time they kept dinging evolution um i'm sorry dinging uh the judgment day by dinging them they kept on losing and now they rebuild them up and they have to continue on that path you have you know three out of four holding the title 
Um, when they're a group, sometimes they're not winning. They need to win continuously as that group. Um, you think about like the four horsemen, you think about when evolution came on, they were destroying everybody. So if this is the path they're going to take, it's the path they're going to take. It'll be interesting to see this J.D. McDonough insertion. I don't think it would give new life to a group because I don't think the group um, has shown their potential with their four where they need another person to be in there. And I get he has a past with Finn Balor, not necessarily right now, but obviously they're going with it. So we'll see what direction it leads. So you thought last night would have stepped forward for J.D. McDonough? It was. Based on his performance or the base that he got written into this story with the Judgment Day? That he got written into the into the thing, I've, I've into the story. I've watched him in NXT, um, and I've watched uh, I've watched some of his stuff. I was more interested once I found out different parts about him. His match was good with Sami Zayn. It was, like I said, a perfect finish, a uh, perfect opponent, an injured Sami Zayn. And, you know, having them, him involved somewhat uh, towards the end as well, I don't think he's needed for this. This is definitely helps him for this. You don't think he's needed for the storyline in the Judgment Day? I don't think he's needed to be anywhere near the Judgment Day. So why do you think they inserted him? I don't know. I'm not a part of creative there. I understand you're not a part of creative, but you've been a part of creative in the past. So like, like once again, based on your professional if, opinion. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's boys with Finn Balor, maybe because they called him up and they need to do stuff with all these people that they called up. Maybe somebody sees something in him. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the fractured judgment day, getting back like on the same path and that same path should be you know how they are let's lay out everybody and lay all these people out in our wake of destruction um we heard the highlights from the finish of the match how did you like the way the finish of the match was executed picking it up from the point where priest slides in the briefcase um like i said i enjoyed how the the judgment day came out in layers when they have members of a group, it's it's the distraction. Um, if I can use a example, I went in Australia into the cage with the wild dogs, and I'm petting one, and then another one bumped me on my left. I turned to my left, and then another one poked me from the right, and then the the handler said, if you have anything in your pockets, they're going to try to go through your pockets because you're sca they're scavengers. And then one jumped up on me and I couldn't believe the, the force that he had to push me down. And I like I took a I sat on this big rock. And then as I'm sitting on the rock, another one pops up on my shoulder. They were very, very friendly and they were just showing me love, but it was distracting me. And if they wanted to maul me and kill me, they could have done it in a second because I would have had the one, but then I would have been getting attacked by all the others. And that's how that type of scenario has to. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you from a real life where then I had 12 around me and I was like, all right, I need to go because I can't control this situation, even though they were 
you know, raised in captivity, but they still were going to their, what they know. And I was just like, okay, I had to go because they're bred to do this. They're bred to scavenge attack and do all that stuff. Have you ever seen, you know, on your Instagram, uh, when hyenas or, or wolves attack, it, it's real. I experienced it firsthand when they were not attacking, they were playing and they were showing me for affection. Who's trying to take out my legs so I could come down to them while the other one's on top of me. That's what I'm trying to explain. Uh, when you're saying about with the briefcase, I didn't mind it. I liked parts of it. Is there any way to execute things? Absolutely better, but it, I didn't like it. But the end result, I did like leaving a show off with heat. That that's fine. Leaving with heat is fine. Um, if you were the baby face in that scenario, <clears throat> if you were if you were Tommy Dreamer, and Priest slid the briefcase in, and it went underneath Finn Balor's legs, and you had the briefcase in your hand in the match, <clears throat> would you have used the briefcase to win the match, or would you have used the pile driver? I would have used the briefcase. And whether, I mean, we're under when we're talking about before rules, I would have used the briefcase as quickly as possible so I don't see it. Uh, the referee doesn't see it, so I don't get disqualified. ECW, I use it in front of the referee. Um, okay, let's forget about ECW. Let's say you were on Monday Night Raw last night. Would you have used the briefcase? Yes, and slid it the F out. Okay. Uh, my problem with the finish last night was uber babyface Cody Rhodes using the weapon to have to win. I am a big bel believer that when you have an uber babyface, a babyface that you're pushing to the moon, unless there's an absolute great reason to use the briefcase, you always use your finish. So I love the picture that they painted of Priest sliding in the briefcase and it going under Finn Balor's legs, because now we get the look between Balor and Priest. Did Priest make a mistake? Was it an accident? Or did he mean to do it on purpose? Because we have seen this kind of dissension within the judgment day. Now Cody has the briefcase. You get the look. Finn turns around. Cody ducks right under a Finn clothesline. Knocks out Priest with the briefcase. Come, throws it away. Comes back. Hits the crossroads on Finn. One, two, three. He wins clean. I believe that when you have a baby face like Cody Rhodes, he should always win with his finish clean in the middle. I'm not saying you had to throw the briefcase out because if he would have thrown the briefcase out and just hit the crossroads, then Priest might have come in and pulled out the referee or pulled out Cody or made some kind of a save. I just, I would have liked to have seen that finish executed differently. And now when the briefcase would have been thrown to the side, it could have been used for the heels on Cody. Um, I agree. Uh, I call that also splitting hairs. It worked last night. If you and I are like we do argue or go back and forth. And when I say argue, we're arguing for the betterment of the reaction, the moment. If it's me, when it slides through, if I'm Finn Balor, I look up, be like, huh? And then if I'm Cody, I, I catch him at the crossroads on top of the briefcase. One, two, three. Um, that's another way to get the same reaction uh, of where they're going. Um, you know, there, there's so many different, I mean, you think about 
I get your point because I know who you're also thinking about, Steve Austin. Steve Austin can hit you with any type of weapon. I'm not even using Austin as a comparison. No, but I'm saying the the, the stunner is what's going to take you out. Hey, everyone. It's Howard Bender from the Andy Up podcast. Every weekday, Adam Ronis and I serve you up the picks, plays, and fantasy information needed to win your bets. You know, this isn't just your average sports betting show, though, for one very good reason. We won't tell you what to do unless we've already done it ourselves. That's right. We put our money where our mouths are, so we're just as invested in each bet as you are. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. But this story, this angle, this whatever, hasn't exactly blown my doors off at all. I mean, the double count out really... uh, kind of a flat ending, but it was a flat ending to the match, not to the segment. They took it up into the arena. They fought into the grandstands. You saw, you know, a lot of stuff going on up there. Zoe Stark returns. Zoe and Trish lay out Becky. They're standing tall. I'm imagining this has to go to some type of gimmick match to blow it all off. Maybe at the next PLE, which I think is payback Andre look that up for me please let me know just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down let me know if I'm right or wrong thank you Tommy what did you think about what we saw from the ladies last night from Trish and from Becky well uh watching the show they actually pieced a lot of the things that you had with uh Adam Pierce um they had said that Trish uh kind of we kept on having these matches and she was the one kind of putting it um, not happening. And because of the result of what happened tonight, uh, the next time they face each other is going to be inside a steel cage and the place went nuts. So they did it uh, pretty much how a steel cage is supposed to be. They've had count outs, interferences, matches get canceled, all this stuff, all placing it on the heel and then finally, this is going to be your big uh, payoff for it, which I do like. Um, Wait, also... time out. They announced a steel cage match? Last night? Yeah. yeah they, they did it in a in a pre-tape. Okay. I, I That must have just got past me. So last night was not the culmination nope. of what we set saw. Up. Okay. It was a setup to it, um, which I liked. And the, also the explanation why. Uh, was really, really good. And, and these are why, you know, you have to watch the backstages because they it's they pieced it all together purpose, uh, perfectly. And Adam Pierce has been doing a hell of a job as a GM, by the way. Um, he's fair. And I like that. I like, you know, even I know you disagree with it. Like when Scott Demore, Scott has to take the best interest of what he feels the company uh, has good or bad. And sometimes you got to make those decisions like any general manager. Sometimes, Hey, I got a star player, but my team's not doing good. Do I trade him for the future? You got to make these hard decisions. Um, last night, the last I, hard decision Scott Demore made was what he was having at golden corral. Let's be honest. That's okay. Um, so then, uh, they fight out in the crowd. There's some, uh, interference as well. So to negate all the interference, um, it's going to be. And I also like the one thing where Trish revealed she did not need any more the face protector. I thought that was a cool thing, but to me should have led something more into 
causing of the DQ or a finish. It's hard because she's wearing it anyway. Those things are hard to work with. They're always, you always got to adjust them. So it's, uh, we'll see the culmination of the feud uh, real soon. Maybe next week. I don't know if they said it's for next week. If you can uh, double check that, Andre, I'd appreciate it. But the next time they do meet, we'll be inside a steel cage. Um, Was not a fan of how they used the face protector last night. The first thing I said to myself is she's been wearing this thing for months and they built up to that, Agreed. that the, the offense that we got from Trish with the face protector was like almost nothing. I would have liked something more dramatic, something more of a moment, almost that Hannibal Lecter-esque moment when he sits up in the ambulance and he takes the face, you know, the, the face. Yep face off and does the reveal we could have had that right in the middle of the ring and trish could have taken off the mask behind becky and the whole place would have been boiling and then trish could have went to hit becky but becky turns around at the last minute and they both double clothesline over the top rope to the floor to to now the count out you know that that leads to the count out I, I just didn't think they properly utilized the face mask. They didn't get the right amount of mileage out of it. They didn't get the moment out of it. Thought so much more could have been done. Tommy, what did you think about the actual physicality of the match? Uh, I agree, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, your assessment of giving a bigger payoff for um, the face guard, the mask. I mean, there could have been a, a, a moment where Trish goes berserk or Becky's finally pulls it off. We have the big reveal. Um, she could go either. Becky could swing it at her as Trish is in the corner. My nose, my nose, Trish ducks, hits the referee or Trish uh, getting her ass kicked. Gonna, you know, Becky's going to go for her finisher. Trish rips it off, hits it, um, hits Becky with it, then hits the referee with it, causing a disqualification. Uh, there's so many different ways to, discuss it the clothesline over the top is always harder for women because they're shorter so normally that's why they go through the top and the second but uh it listen man it's hard as much as she's doing a great job it's hard to boo trish stratus she's a, a hall of famer she's had some amazing moments she's given to the wwe universe for so so long she's doing her job becky is another one that we love um at times it's like you know, why are we having these women feud? It's, you know, hey, it's something for both women. Um, and, and one of the things, Tommy, just stop me if you disagree. When you try to turn a fan favorite slash Hall of Famer, like a Trish Stratus heel, or when you push her as a heel and the fans don't agree with it, there's a percentage of fans that start to dislike the baby face. Hey everyone, Jen Piacenti here, host of Sticks and Stacks, the podcast that brings you the very best action from the world of hockey and baseball. Each week, myself, Sean Drotar, and Nate Lundy will bring you our best picks and talk you through the props, bets, and fantasy advice that can help you become the best fantasy manager in your league or even just help you win some money. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. All right, so this Saturday night in the ECW arena, uh, you will be wrestling, fighting, scrapping, working with, yada, yada, 
somebody from either AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, CMLL, GCW for the New Japan All-Star Junior Festival. Yeah, this this Saturday is my debut, technically speaking, in-ring debut, because when I jumped over that guardrail, I never quite made it into the ring. So this time I'm going to be getting in the ring on Saturday uh, with New Japan. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Honestly, me being gracious is something you don't hear too much humility and hum- humbleness when I cut promos and start talking. But uh, I have... Um, the utmost respect for what it is that they do in New Japan and uh, the way that it's done and, and, and the, the honor that it holds and how long they've been doing it, a standard of success that's been a precedent that's been set in the business internationally. Uh, and when I came in to NXT, you got to remember, right? Imagine, imagine this, dude. Imagine I never heard of Finn, uh, Prince, Prince Devin. Never heard of Pac. Never heard of any of these people, right? And when they come in, and I don't, I signed a contract and the first ring I ever got was the WWE ring. And if you got it, you got to flaunt it. I never understood the fact that I never wrestled for any other promotion. When I walk through the door, I'm popping in NXT. Finn Balor walks into the weight room for the first time. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? I don't give a fuck. I'm in the WWE, been in WWE since day one. Don't give a fuck what you've done, where you did it. When you get in here, this is a fucking different ballgame. Welcome to my house. I don't. I'm I'm so, I'm the OG NXT. You know, and that personality was so obnoxious, but also true and also authentic to me. And I was joking. I was not serious. I was half-heartedly saying it, but it was true. It wasn't a lie. So I did not know who you were and what you've done. And I did not know what any of this stuff was. But quickly, I find myself in the car because when Pac moves to America, my roommate was this kid named Ozzy Cherry. All right. Now imagine this, because Tommy, I was going to get let you get two sentences in. I've been listening to the station since early this morning, but Mm -hmm. I, I I might let you get three. So- we're down NXT, um, and it's FCW at the time. It's Florida Championship Wrestling. And I come in, dude, I don't know shit about nothing. But I show up at 530 in the fucking morning every day. Bill DeMott could attest to it. He was the head coach. And I beat him to work every day, and they had to kick me out the building. I didn't know anything. So I'm fighting from such a deficit. The last thing that you're going to do is tell me you're going to fire me because I'm not working hard enough or I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, so let me do this. But the wrestlers saw that, man. You can't fake that shit. And I wasn't pretending to know things I didn't know. And I was asking a shit ton of questions. And they were real good questions because I am a huge fan of this business. But I grew up on WWE and WWE only until Kevin Nash and Scott Hall went over to WCW. Then I became familiar with WCW. At the time, my parents wouldn't let me know that there was another wrestling show because I was off the fucking rails. I was doing all the wrestling moves in the backyard. It's like, you're going to let me know that there's more wrestling? No. I learned about New Japan in probably 2012, 13. And I blew through discs. Now, here's the thing about me, bro. I don't even fucking remember guys' names that I meet yesterday or like that I watch wrestle or or I see in matches and I get reintroduced to people all the time. I, I am the worst People, places, names, guy of all time. But I always remember my fans when they kind of come up to me. I'll ask them the name, take a mental picture. But when I watch wrestling, I've seen thousands of matches, but I don't know who the fuck's who. You know what I mean? I go back and watch that 90s shit, 
And I don't know who's wrestling who, but I can tell you who I liked. And I've probably seen about a hundred of their matches. You know what I'm saying? So um, just being well-versed in, uh, in the business by, by, by cause and events naturally, you know, you can't, if you're in this thing for now, I'm in it for 12, 13 years, bro. I got in 2011. So when you are in this thing, you learn about everything. You just, and if you don't, you're never going to get to the top. Recently, Shivani, Tony Shivani, went on record and said in an interview that he met you and it was very nice to meet you and that you guys had a great conversation and he found you very nice and very entertaining. My point is a guy like Shivani went out there and said some really great things about you. That had to make you feel good because over the past couple of years, you've had so many people taking shots at you, whether it's obviously oh, not oh, to your oh, face. Who? I'm talking hey, about fans on so I'm talking in about the, guys on social there media. There ain't been a wrestler. There ain't oh. been a wrestler who say my name out loud. And the only one who did Forget about the people who bury you. Tell me about how it made you feel that Shivani went on record and put you over and said nice things about you. Um for one, I'll break out of character. <laughs> uh, wow. Mind-blowing to just meet him for the first time, come away from that meeting. And uh, yesterday, DDP hit me up, and he let me know that that, that was said, basically. And uh, and and Big Cass, Big Bill, he hit me up and let me know that it was said. And I had no idea. How the fuck would I do? You think I Google my name? Get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> so, but you uh, did recently meet Shivani and you had a pleasant interaction with him, correct? I mean, beyond words to 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 know that uh, he came away from that thinking that. Like, how do you know that? You meet people all the time. You might walk away from it like, oh, God, that guy thinks I'm an asshole. Like, oh, God, like I just make an idiot of myself. It's like, you know, I'm a normal person just like anybody else. So, you know, there's a certain level to I don't give a fuck what you think about me. And then, you know, people like Tony Shivani, like, um, Wow. Uh, that was really, really cool. And it's always mind blowing when you just meet somebody and they know who you are. Like just in general, like I don't expect anyone to know who I am when I meet, especially in wrestling. I think I was in a ring one time with Tommy Rich and he was my tag team partner in Chillicothe, Ohio. And I get to the ring and I do my, my name is, and I hold the mic out and everybody says it. Cause I don't want to get copyrighted, but they, they could say what they want. And then he comes up to me and he's like, so I guess these people know who you are, brother. What's your name? <laughs> How did they say that shit? What'd you say your name? So it's like, I don't, ex and I'm wrestling with him. He's my partner. He's been in the business forever. So like, I don't expect you to know who I am. So I didn't expect Tony Schiavone to know who I was. And that was just cool to find out that he's familiar with my work. So um, humbling beyond words. The guy's one of the voices of a generation for me that I fell asleep to that I still can put on a podcast and listen to his voice. And then I could also put it on in the morning and watch a match and get up. Uh, this guy has, it, it's like him and Jr. you know what I mean? Like, and, and Jerry Lawler, like those voices for me are pro wrestling. That's really where the stories were being told was behind the commentary booth. And he's one of the greatest storytellers in the business we've ever had. So to meet him, to get to talk to him. Uh, we talked about a plethora of things. I probably didn't shut the fuck up because you know me. Um, especially if I just meet you and I'm excited to meet you and I, and I, and I got a million things I want to tell you. Like, you know, 
<laughs> but uh, if I could go back in time, maybe I would have just shut the fuck up and listen to him speak uh, because there's a million things I would love to ask him, uh, things that he's seen, uh, opportunities he's had to work with talent that are no longer here um, that I fantasize about having known, um, you know, and, and like, you know, a Brian Pillman Jr., a guy that I idolized growing up as a kid that I used to watch, like, you know, my first match outside of the WWE was with Brian Pillman Jr. Not his dad was the guy I idolized as a kid. Um, and I didn't know he had a son. So when I met him on my first indie with Big Cass, I, uh, we were doing a signing and I met him. And I and I and I just you're breaking into the business. Like, you know, a part of this thing is, you know, that that leveling up like I I loved your dad. I know you grew up as a kid. You didn't have him. So that's not easy. So I know you had it rough and I owe it to the business in this moment. I did not want to wrestle in the Indies. I've been out of wrestling for almost three years, never had a match since 18. And when I came back uh, in 2020 and wrestled Pillman or whatever that was, I forget. Um, I wrestled him and I called a lot of it out there and it was simple and easy. And I knew I could get a good match out of him. And it was because I didn't cut a promo. I came out with no, no uh, music. And I just had a match because I love wrestling. And that's what this is, right? You know what I mean? And, and, and for me, it wasn't about me in that moment. It was about Brian Pillman Jr. And getting that opportunity for him because I got a lot of eyes on me making my first match, you know, uh, coming outside the WWE. And I put it up on my YouTube. It's got like, 300,000 views. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do in that moment? I could go out there and work anybody. How am I going to bring about an opportunity for somebody else through this other than me? And, uh, you know, I went on to get him booked in Qatar and wrestle him the next time, which was the uh, next opportunity to wrestle. And then I did uh, the first ever wrestling show at the world famous comedy store on Sunset Strip with Tony Hinchcliffe. We put a wrestling ring in the comedy store and I booked all the talent and I had never been on the indies before in my life. So now I do these three matches with Brian Pillman Jr. And I meet all these people on the Indies that I never got to meet, put faces to names, get to, and you fall in love with this thing that you, that I, when you get fired from WWE, you hate wrestling. You just hate it. And you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to be near it. And then you find that love and that passion that you have for this thing. And it's been difficult over the past few years to have me, uh, you know, rub through the mud promoters that think that they know who I am or at major promotions or people out there. And to have a name like Tony Schiavone uh, put me over, I guess, as you would say in pro wrestling, um, that's huge. And that's awesome for, uh, you know, the people that care about me uh, that are around me, you know, and articles being written um, about me in pro wrestling that are positive, you know, that you usually hear my name and it's rake through the coals and, when I do that, um, a lot of the time you, I, I started when I got out of wrestling and I got back into it to really dive into that. Go full blown heel. You hate me. You want to see action. Here's I cut a promo. The only wrestler who ever called my name, Tama Tonga. I, I, we lit it up all over the Internet and we could have sold out a building just the two of us in a match. OK, the next time I come back out, these are all very, very, very authentic back behind the scenes orchestrated I'm, I'm i'm know what i'm doing and where i want to go with this thing and then to invade madison square garden and to not 
get the match, which is one of the things I talked about with Tony Schiavone, with the Briscoe brothers was the biggest injustice to the boys and them because of people that rubbed my name through the mud and big cast at a time where the very next day you put tickets on sale for Madison Square Garden, the Briscoes versus Enzo and Cass, G-O-D, you sell out Madison Square Garden again in a day's time. Now your company's for sale and Jay's no longer with us. So there are things in this business that I'm bitter about. That, that still are a chip on my shoulder. That it's like, yo, fuck you. You took that match away from me, and I'm never going to have it again. And do you have any idea how much I watched the Briscoes when I was in the WWE? How much I heard about them from Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and all these people? And how often and me and Cass wanted that match more than anything. And, we, and, and, and they wanted it. The Briscoes wanted it. And we worked an opportunity uh, to... All the shit spearing against my name, everyone who hated me, all the people dragging me through the mud who never met me, who never talk that shit when they meet me in person, who never bring that same energy when they meet me in person, ever. I'll punch you in your fucking mouth to talk shit to me, I guarantee you. But if, if you come up to me and you have an open hand and you're nice, my hand is out. And at that point, you can if you talk shit about me after the fact, then you know that that's crazy. It's never happened to me. When I meet people and I'm good to them and they're good to me, the energy is reciprocated tenfold, and that's how we built the brand. So I gotta go, right? Time no, out you're not here. going. You're not going. Tommy has a question for you. I was I gonna say, could you, you imagine? Somehow. Did you imagine if uh, his parents or he somehow fell into that whole ECW? <laughs> this guy would have. Uh, changed his uh, perspective of professional wrestling. You have no clue. Did uh, Norman show you his uh, New Japan stuff? Oh, hell yeah. I've seen all the Black Magic shit from Mexico to, to New Japan. Um, right. He's the best. He's the, he, he is the... People don't know. Norman Smiley, he teaches girls who walk in that building, have never wrestled or gotten in a ring and don't know what wrestling is, he teaches them how to do everything to the point where you're watching them in the main event of Raw, okay? And takes a guy like me who's out of his mind, who wants to learn everything right away, who wants to go and slows it all down and teaches you how to work. And uh, enough can't be said about the patience of that man and what he's done for people in this business across the board. There'll be books written about him and what he did for pro wrestling because at low key, he's been a staple in the company for what, 10, 15, 20 years teaching people how to wrestle. I was going to say, cause he has patience. you you, uh, you stole the word out of my mouth. Um, but that's cool. And uh, I still don't know who you're facing uh, this Saturday, by the way, do you? Um, I know I got a couple partners, and I know that I'm wrestling against a couple guys. And uh, okay. as long as okay. I can cup of haters. And, and Enzo, Enzo, do you look at this based on what Tony Schiavone said about you in public, and based that you have an opportunity this Saturday to get in there with some str real strong talent on a card that. I don't think anybody would think you'd ever be on. Do you look at this as an opportunity as some daylight, you know, light at the end of the tunnel and a, an opportunity for you to turn the corner in which maybe the wrestling world would open itself back up to you because you have entirely too much talent to continue just doing what you're doing. Well, what are you hating on me for? 
Doing Nobody's what hating on you. I just hey, look, put you over. I said you have entire right? <laughs> asshole. I'll fucking wrestle you tomorrow. I know you. I'm saying you have too much talent to be doing almost nothing, but this could be an opportunity for you to show the world or remind the world just how great you are on the stick and entertaining you are in the ring. Look what I do on the stick. Everybody knows what I do on the stick. What they don't know is what I can do in the ring. And if you come to see me in my boxing ring where we don't hit the ropes, but we bump, and I get in there with a few guys, I will fucking shoot on you, dude. OG Zoe is a fucking shooter, dog, and I will shoot on you. So I watch all that old New Japan shit, okay? I grew up in the WWE. That's where I learned how to do this thing. Do you think that when I was there that I wasn't in my brain? I go back and watch old tape. I don't give a fuck about what's happening right now. If I watch what's happening right now, I could drive myself into a tizzy realize that um why aren't i there right or I start having that argument with myself or, or you know so I, I i have an affinity for watching old wrestling love it i've seen a lot of old japan when i go there i'm going to make history because people don't understand what it is that i'm in for you you get an opportunity that's all i got in the wwe right they gave me a microphone i went out there that first day on the job john cena said hey man will you come back out there to the ring with me with that microphone and i never let up since ever you you, never squandered an opportunity so that's exactly what this is i'm gracious to uh you know rocky romero uh who produced this event uh and and i know that that people don't equate what it is that I did. But bro, if you think about this, I was never let to do anything. You didn't see me jumping off the top rope or doing these things because I did have great coaches. I was on a card in the WWE and there was people like Seth Rollins and people like Adrian Neville and people like Sami Zayn and P- that were going to go out there and do this thing. And I was in a tag team and I fit a role and I opened those shows and worked a stick and that's fine. Okay. It's been a long time. I've been in this business since 2011. If you think I don't know my way around that ring, you're out of your mind. And I am going to bring the pressure, bro. I am going to move forward in this thing. That's what I'm going to do. This is not a thing where I'm backing down from what it is that they do. Sports entertainment in New Japan, I, I, they, they, yeah, they're all. It's all wrestling. It's all wrestling. Okay. And when I get in there, that's my home. I will never be a manager. I will never be a guy who works the stick as a commentator. I will never be that because I'm an athlete who played college football, was all state in New Jersey, played in the state all-star game, and is so smart that he didn't care what you people thought about his in-ring ability because he knew how to get himself over and get booked. And I never had a bad match. You can't have a bad match when you do this thing called selling. Okay? Selling. And I sold my ass off to the point where we sold tickets and we sold T-shirts. And I became the number one merchandise seller in all of pro wrestling as a rookie. And people want to act like it didn't happen. Don't ever try to erase history. That's what they did in Nazi Germany, you idiots. Don't ever try to act like I didn't happen. When you erase somebody's history, when you pretend like it didn't happen, you rewrite the book, okay? This is wrestling's history. And when you put wrestling's history on paper, the number one merchandise seller as a rookie in 2017 was Enzo and Cass, all right? The number one merchandise seller in NXT was Enzo and Cass. The longest tenured guys in NXT were Enzo and Cass. 
ass. Why? Because we put asses in seats. Now you put me in New Japan. You give me that mic, I'm going to light you on fire. You put me in a ring, I'm going to bring the heat, dog. I do not care what happens to me. What are you going to do? Knock me out? What are you going to do? Drug my name through the mud? Run my name through the dirt? I'm like Eminem in 8 Mile. There's nothing that you can say about me that hasn't been said yet. I don't give a fuck. Don't you understand that thing about me? And the people know that backstage. That's why no one ever talks shit about me on the internet. You don't hear people like Kenny Omega, Seth Rollins, or Finn Balor, or anybody talking shit about me. For one, they know I'm a good guy. And if they don't know me, they would find that out if they met me. And for two, if you talk shit about me in this wrestling business, I will light you up worse than anybody in the history of the business because I am the best of all time on the stick okay i know it there's no one that can mess with me because i wrote books that are this thick i ran laps around the people that were there at fcw nxt ran laps around them did they ever put me on a microphone in nxt with a major talent no because i'd eat them the fuck up did they ever put me with a major talent on the microphone you could put me out there with roman with brock and I will get you a 3-0 rating, a 4-0 rating with a scathing promo that I cut on this man to generate business. And if I wanted to do that in New Japan, given the opportunity, I will take them to the fucking moon. By the fucking boom. I don't know where I'm going tomorrow. I know where I've been. And ain't nobody been where I've been. The top of the fucking mountain. And the guy on the top of the mountain didn't fall there. Okay, no, he climbed his way to the fucking top. I was in a ring with the best in the world. AJ Styles, he got a soccer mom haircut, dog. I get the whole arena fucking chanting my name. All right, I'm in that bitch dancing with John Cena on the microphone. People want to pretend like this didn't happen. Dog, if I went on TV tomorrow with a microphone live, I don't even need to think or write down a word that I would say. I would just let that shit fly. Venom, bro. Put me out there with Orton. None of these guys are going to put me over. Don't you understand the business and the politics involved in this business? It was because of the fans that I got booked. Just like L.A. Knight, who I love. Slate Randall, the 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 Church of Latter Day Slates. The shit this kid would cut in promo class would light me up. We're talking about 2014. I knew he was the man back then. You guys didn't know that, but everybody who's in that building knows that I'm the fucking man. Everyone was there. I showed up at 5:30 in the morning. I got kicked out the building. I drank every fucking night and met chicks. I went out, put the title around women's waist, and lived that Ric Flair lifestyle that you all dreamed and fantasized of. If you're listening to this right now, odds are I lived the dream and it was probably yours. And on that note, it's time to go. All right, Enzo. Great stuff as always. Um, if you want to hear something. If you want to hear some more of that, uh, or if you want to see Enzo wrestle, go to the ECW Arena, the 2300 Arena, this Saturday night for the New Japan All-Star Junior Festival. See Enzo in what I believe is going to be a multi-man tag. See him uh, on the microphone. See him shine in the ring. It sounds like it's going to be a hell of a show. 
There's and no Joe, thanks for coming on this morning. It's taking a back seat to me, dog. And everybody knows that because I have that ability. So I just want to thank Rocky Romero. Thank Hiromu Takahashi. Thank you for putting this event on. Respecting and knowing that I'm the greatest cruiserweight champion. That's including every luchador for sure. Okay. So when you put the main event on Monday Night Raw with just the microphone and the cruiserweight title around your waist, or when you put the actual cruiserweight title in the main event of Monday Night Raw, when you people pull a 3-0 rating, 2-0, 4-0, every time you're on fucking TV, that's when you can come speak to me about this thing that we call the great cruiserweight wrestling division that I ran, 205 Live. That shit's done. Understand is I don't even think it's on fucking TV anymore, but it was beating NXT in the ratings when I was there. So if I get an opportunity here from Rocky Romero to go out there and do what I do, I guarantee you I end up over in Japan in the Tokyo Dome in front of a hundred fucking thousand people and taking everything that I deserve that should be fucking mine. You guys want to put me through hell, drag my name through the fucking mud. When you mention my name and you write an article and you say something like, oh, and he was released from the company due to an accusation and, and fucking sexual. You fucking idiot. It was a tweet. The police never called me, never went to court, never had a fucking trial. I got fired because of you. The same people who got me on TV, the people. Shout out to the nation. You still got my back. Everybody who's got my back, I love you. Everyone, I don't know who the fuck you are. You're ghosts. I think you're bots. I've never met you in my life. You're not even real. I don't know where you come from because when I. And out in person, I do not get that energy. No one comes up to me hating on me because they know I'm a real one and I'll punch them in the mouth. Can't wait to be at New Japan. It's Saturday. Fuck you. Thank you, Enzo. Have a nice day. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Foundation Channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.